So if you have your Bible, um, we're going to turn to Zechariah chapter 8. Zechariah is uh, Old Testament. It's very near to the end. <clears throat> Zechariah chapter 8. And we will read from, uh, I'm going to preach from 16 to 23. Okay, 16 to 23. So uh, stay with me. Um, you ready for the Word of God? Yeah. Yes. You ready to be fed this morning? Yeah. Now pray for your pastor that he will preach the word of God with boldness and uh, and preach the truth. So let's have a moment to receive the word of God. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you and pray for your pastor. Let's have a moment of prayer, quiet moment. Dear God, help our soul and spirit to connect to you and connect to one another this morning as we look at your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking at creating a culture of contagious worship. Right? The prophet painted a wonderful picture that just made a big impression in my, in my heart. And I want to share this with you. One of the things that I've been praying for at the church, at this church, uh, lately, lately means for a while now since I came here, it's not so much about how many people come to our church. It's not so much about how big our church will become in the future um, and how dynamic we are and what kind of presence we have in the community. You know, all those things are good. But my attention and my desire for the church has always been that I wanted to hear the word of God that I can bring to the congregation and say, this is what the Lord gave me, and this is what I want to share it to you. That is my number one desire. It has been. And so when I get the word of God for our church, then it's, um, it's beyond exciting. It, I can't wait to come. And when I'm preparing the sermon, I wish that I'm preaching that already, you know? Because I work my sermon from Monday, and I'm writing these things, and I'm, I can't wait for Sunday. And I pray for that. I pray that God will speak to us, that God will give me a word, and I come with that word. That every Sunday I come with that word and say, I heard this from the Lord, and I'm here to share this and what the Lord has done for us. And today I want to paint that picture. The things that grab my heart is contagious worship. Is contagious worship. You know, uh, I was preparing this sermon, and I want to try it out in my daughter, if some of you followed the video that I posted. And, uh, and, uh, and my, my daughter said, so what is contagious? You know? And I was going to give an answer, but I thought I would tell a story. And I told my daughter, um, when people smile, do you want to smile? And she said, yeah. When people are joyful, uh, uh, are you happy too? Because there's lots of joy. And she said, yeah, because joy is contagious. See, a smile is contagious, right? 
So I want to talk about that. So if your life in Christ is smiling and joyful and shining and bright, then that is contagious. And people are going to want to come to you and say, I, I, I want to get that. You're, so you're spreading your joy contagiously. It, it becomes an uh, epidemic. How can we make worship epidemic in our church? That our great worship minister is not carrying you along all the time and pulling you, come on over with me, come on. But you're already there. You're already in step and running with her and coming alongside her and say, I want to worship you. I want to come with you. How can we make that happen? How can we make that happen? Because we have a challenge. We have a challenge here because in Santa Clara County, 95% of the people are unchurched. 95% of people are unchurched. Now in Bay Area, 60% are unchurched. And uh, in Bay Area, 47% are de-churched. This is a new word in the church, okay? I mean, they want to come up with new, new language. So the one of the new languages is de-churched. We have talked about unchurch, the nuns. What is de-churched? De-churched were the ones that were actively involved in the church, and they're no longer. So they call them de-churched, right? And we have all this thing. What is happening? Why don't people want to come to church? And we looked at them. We make them the problem. People that are not here, we make them the problem. But I want to look at us. I want to look at the solution. That the solution might be with us, not with them. And that solution may be contagious lifestyle. That you're positively contagious. That your life is positively contagious. That people want to come to where you are. So the solution is that to create a contagious worship. Not just on Sunday, but every day in our lives. Every day in our lives. And how do we do that? How do we do that? And there are four things God said on creating a contagious worship. Contagious worship in Zechariah chapter 8. So the the first thing that uh, the prophet said, the step one was, if you want to have a contagious worship, if you want to have a contagious lifestyle, contagious life that you're spreading joy, and joy has become epidemic, right? Contentment and peace. The first thing that you should do is that you should speak the truth to your neighbors. Okay? You should speak the truth to your neighbors. Uh, aren't the, uh, the, the people that played the string, aren't they wonderful this morning? Yeah? Yes. Uh, that is so wonderful, but more than that is speaking the truth. You may play beautiful music, sing beautiful songs, but not speaking the truth to your neighbors. The second step is give judgment for truth, justice, and peace. Where? At your gate, in your house. When you're going to decide something, your decision will, what will it give? Your decision will give truth. Your decision will give justice and peace in your house, outside, in the community. See, your decision, every daily decision that you make is built on truth, on peace. For you, for your house, and for others. The third thing is, think no evil in your heart. Think no evil in your heart and make no false oath or accusation to your neighbors. Do not take an oath, a false oath against your neighbor. And the fourth step is love, truth, and peace. 
if you do this, then he painted the picture of how contagious it can be. And I'm thinking about the life that we live today, the situation that we have, the environment that is embracing us, the cloud that is over us. And I feel like if we do these things, yeah, people are wanting to come. People, are, people want to come with you. So contagious worship model to create a contagious worship Speak the truth to your neighbors. Speak the truth to your neighbors. It says in verse 20, Thus says the Lord of hosts, People shall yet come, inhabitants of many cities. They say they will come. This is the promise of the Lord. God is saying, that people from many inhabitants of the city are going to come to your worship place. And, and if God say that to me, I'm like, yes! Right? Awesome, Lord! I've been trying so hard to bring people in. We do so many things. You know, we send out flyers, we try to promote our church, and nobody comes, and we're thinking why they're not here. And God's saying, no, people from many cities are going to come to your worship. It's like, oh, thank you, Lord. But these are the things that you have to do. Yeah? Speak each man the truth to his neighbors. So, people are yet to come to the inhabit. People shall yet come, many inhabitants from many cities, but this you have to do. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. That is going to be contagious. Do you speak the truth to your neighbors all the time? Your colleagues? At your workplace? Or making an excuse has become just part of our life that we, it doesn't really bother us anymore. You know, it's like, did you send the email? No, I didn't send, but it's in your name. I don't know how it happened. No? Did you post on the Instagram? Say, no, it's not me, but it's, it's your account. No, somebody must have done it. I didn't do it, right? Did you tweet that? No, it was a fake account. It wasn't me. We tell. We tell lies. But it's going to be contagious as we speak the truth. Contagious worship is spread by compelling truth. I put my picture there. <laughs> speak the truth to your neighbor because I want to, it, it's me. I have to speak the truth to my neighbors. I can't talk about you, but me, Mr. Dubs, I got to speak the truth to my neighbors. Then you'll be contagious. Thus says the Lord of hosts, people shall yet come, inhabitants of many cities, but make it compelling. These are the things you shall do. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. Right? So if we want to have a contagious worship, let us speak the truth. Let us speak the truth to one another. The second thing that I want to talk about is contagious worship model. To create a contagious worship, give judgment for truth, justice, and peace at your gate, in your house. Right? 
So I make it about me again here. Right? Contagious worship is created in compassionate relationship. So what, what is compassionate relationship? We have talked about right, uh, right words, right speech. And this is about right action. Having a right action to other people. That your right action to people is going to make your lifestyle contagious. They want to they wanna follow where you go. They want to be a part of your life. See, the inhabitants of one city shall go to another saying, Let us continue to go and pray before the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself will go also. So this is another step, right? So, the inhabitants that came. So first Sunday, somebody came to our church. And now that person is going and meeting their friend and saying, You come with me to Santa Clara First Baptist Church. I will also go there. Oh, that's another step. That's amazing there. Because the person that came here caught the good, contagious vibe. And fellowship. Because they found that you guys were people that speak the truth. So now, that person is going back and grabbing somebody and say, Come with me. Let us go and pray to the Lord of the people that worship in Santa Clara. Because they speak the truth. These are good people. There is something happening here. Come with me. I will go with you also. Then pastor is not doing the promotion about people coming to the church. You see? It is people that have come here and encountered God that are promoting the presence of the Lord. It's becoming contagious here. And then, and then, these are the things you shall do. Give judgment in your gate for truth, justice, and peace. That is tied to this guy grabbing somebody to come to our church. Are we getting there? These are the things you shall do. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. So to create a contagious worship model, to create contagious worship, love, truth, and peace. Love, truth, and peace. So contagious worship is the fruit of consecrated thought. I, I cannot think evil about others and, have, and lead a contagious life. My thoughts should be consecrated. My thoughts are to do good things. Bring people together. Reconcile people. Bring people to the Lord. I have to have a right thought. Yes, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and pray before the Lord. Pray before the Lord. Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor and do not love false oaths. Then this contagious lifestyle will happen, right? Contagious love is the heart of contagious worship. Be Christ-like. It's the right spirit. So we're talking about right speech, right? Right word, right action, right thought, and right spirit. If we have the right 
word, right action, right thought, and right spirit, then our life can be contagious. These are the four steps that we see in Zechariah chapter 8. Creating worship model. To create a contagious worship. Think no evil in your heart. Do not give false oath against your neighbor. Thus says the Lord. In those days, ten men from every language of nation shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Imagine, imagine on Saturday, on Sunday, this morning when you got up from in Campbell, in San Jose, in Mountain View, Milpitas, uh, Fremont, Santa Clara, Sunnyvale, Cupertino, I'm missing uh, the names here, but you're getting the drift here, right? Los Gados, when you got up, your neighbor run to you and grab on your hand, on your sleeve and say, please take me to your church. Not just one person, ten person, ten person. Ten people are coming, waiting for you to get out of your house. And they grab your hand, your sleeve and say, I want to come along with you. I want to come to Santa Clara. I want to come to Santa Clara First Baptist Church. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yes, it would be amazing. And it can be. And how can that happen? It can happen when people know that God is present here in this midst. It can happen when God is moving in this midst. It's not going to happen because of how great we are. How great we are. How great kind of people we are. What a great good people we are. It will be more than that. It will be that God is present in our midst. Then people are going to come and hold on to the sleeve. This is a beautiful picture that the prophet talked about. And this chapter came about with the question that the Jewish people were asking when they were coming back from the exile. And they were asking to the prophet, Hey, should we continue the four fasts that we were fasting to build a wall? Because we were, the people of Israel were fasting four times. To rebuild the wall, the wall has been fallen. It's a response to that question. Should we fast? Should we continue these divine practices? And the prophet said, okay, it's important. But there is something more important than the divine practice. It is the ethical conduct. That is what God is looking for. The ethical conduct is more important than the divine practice. The temple service is important. Yes, go for it. Go for the temple service. But there is something more important than the temple service, than rebuilding the wall. It's speaking the truth. It's being compassionate to other people. It is living a righteous life. It is spreading peace in your community and at home. That is more important than the temple service, the divine service. The ethical conduct is more important than the divine service. That's the response of the prophet that God was giving to the people of Israel on the question, should we continue to fast for four days? Four times, I mean. What shall we do? Where is our ethical conduct this morning? Remember, when people want to come, when the ten people hold on to the sleeve of a Jewish man, What a beautiful picture. But we have seen that with our Lord Jesus Christ. When he was walking on the street, there was a woman who had a blood issue for many years. And she had spent all her money, but she was not cured. 
And that picture that we saw, she came and hold on to the hem of the cloth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the power of God had gone out from him, and he knew that his power has gone. But why? Because this, inhab- this, this person had come to the Lord Jesus Christ expecting great things in her life. Our Lord Jesus Christ was contagious. When he walked the street, people want to follow him. When he's teaching, people want to follow him. Why? Because he speaks truth. He speaks peace. He speaks love. He speaks unity. He speaks reconciliation. He speaks of one body. What kind of a person is that? It's a perfect man that loves you and I, that wants to redeem. And if we do that, if we do that when we walk on the street, there may be some person, just like the woman with the blood issue, struggling and spending all the money, looking for some hope. And you might be the one that she will come and get hold of you and say, take me to the place. It would be different. That song, remember, take me to church. That's not the one, right? You're not a dog, okay? You're not some, going to be some sacrifice that we pull you here into the church. That, that song, Take Me to Church, some of you go and Google today now, right? He was talking about how he was forced to come to church. I was dragged to church as a kid. I didn't want to go. It wouldn't be like that. People are lining up and they want to come where you are. The question came. See, the question came of fasting. Um, and the question is, it was also in, res- the response was given. There was a response already even with prophet Isaiah on, on fasting. And I want to read this with you today. Is that what you call a fast? Isaiah 58, starting from verse 5. A day acceptable to the Lord. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, God is saying, to lose the change of injustice? That's the fasting I have. See, it's going to the ethical conduct, not the divine practice. Fasting is a practice. It's going to the ethical conduct, the conduct of our life. I want you, I want you to lose the chain of injustice. Is there injustice in our midst this morning? Is there injustice in the community that we live? Is there injustice in Santa Clara? You know, and what are we doing about it? If we are unloosing the injustice that we see in your workplace, at home, right? Then your life will be contagious. Is there injustice in school, in colleges? Are your friends being bullied and you're a part of it? You know? Is injustice happening? Are you part of a clique that segregates other people at school, at college? You hang out with only a group of people, right? And then you, do, you look down on other people's group. Is there injustice? If you lose on that, then your life will be contagious. And it says here, to lose the chain of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed, oppressed free. I've known many people now, and I've heard right, when, uh, uh, from India... Uh, this young college, there are the thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of grad- graduates that doesn't get a job. So the, uh, uh, people from Middle East or other country, they will ask them to come in South Asia. And when they come, their passport is taken away, right? Their passport is immediately taken away and they become like a, a slave uh, to the, the company that they work to. They can't even go back. 
They can't even go back to the country where they belong. Because the owners oppress them wickedly. And what do we do about those things? Are we part of that? Somebody that owns a company here this morning. You have a company here in Silicon Valley. Are you using those people as your slave? Are you a slave driver to get your, to fulfill your greed and not taking care of them? Are you losing the chain? Is it not to share food with the hungry? Then fasting is not about us taking, not taking food. It's about sharing food to other people. And to provide poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe him. And not turn away from your own flesh and blood. That you're not turning away from your own flesh and blood. You are not turning away from your families. You're not turning away from your wife, from your husband. You're not turning away from your children. Are you doing that? Then your life is contagious. When you see the naked to clothe him, not turn away from your own flesh and blood, then, wow, this is amazing, your light will break forth like the dawn. Your light will break forth like the dawn. You've been waiting for the light to shine in your life. You've been going through darkness. And what will turn the light on? Feed the hungry. Take care of the oppressed. Take care of your family. Then your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. That's an amazing picture there. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help. And he will say... Here I am. He will say, here I am. The picture that Zechariah painted about the ten men holding on to the sleeve of a Jewish man to say, let me come to your temple and pray. That is a great picture. That is a great picture that captivated my heart this week. One of the things that my wife and we struggle as a parent of uh, young, young kids uh, is uh, sports. Sports, right? So they play sports, and sports happen to be uh, on Wednesdays, uh, Saturdays, and Sunday. Right? Wednesday they have live uh, youth group, and uh, uh, and Sunday uh, we have worship service. And my wife and we are here, and they play in the morning during the worship hour. Right? What do you do as a parent? What do you do as a parent about the Sabbath? We're talking about people wanting to come to worship the Lord. What do we do about Sabbath? Right? Right now, uh, my son's uh, team are uh, playing. And uh, I'm getting update on their goals as I'm preaching here. Right? Uh, uh, and did you hear the sound like uh, there is a sound? Those are the goals that have been scored. is coming here. because I don't know what's happening here. But they're not playing. They're sitting here. Why? Because... We want them to know that worship is important. And this is the struggle that my wife and we have with our kids. Both the kids have game right now. and They're playing. Uh, it's a home game, but they're sitting here in the church. Because we said that you come to church today, Sunday. And we would like to pray for you. And it is important because today, Ray, uh, is his 16th birthday. And I want to pray for him in the church. Right? And I want my kids to struggle with these things. That they're not doing easily on a Sunday when their boss calls you. Come in. You got to work on Sunday. Come on in. I don't want them to just 
pick up their bags and go. I want them to think like me. I want them to struggle like me that the Sabbath rest is important. The Sabbath rest is important, right? Because the Word of God says in Isaiah 58, I want to read this for you. If you call the Sabbath a delight, and the Lord's day holy and honorable, and if you honor it by going, not going your own way, and not doing as you please, or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's what I want for my kids. I want their life to be filled with joy. I want them to ride high on the heights of the land. I want them to feast on the inheritance that God has prepared for them. But they have to delight on the Lord's day. This is not something that man made up. When God created the universe on, on, the, on the seventh day, there is a Sabbath rest. And do you know that the Lord jealously defend and guard its honor of this day? The God who created us, the God who created us is guarding jealously for the honor of the Sabbath rest. It's an important day that he will guard the honor of that day that he has created. And that honor that the Lord guard has become a struggle for me. It has become a struggle for me because of the demands of lives on my children. Whether it's education, sports, I'm thinking, what shall I do? It shouldn't be that way. I should guard as a follower of Jesus Christ the honor of worshiping the Lord. And Christ was talking about this to the woman, the Samaritan woman, right? Because Jerusalem, as, as the, uh, when the prophet is writing about this, Jerusalem is the center of worship in the universe at that time. This is the capital of a spiritual house in the world at that time. Everything flows to Jerusalem. And when Christ came, he said, true worship, worshiping in true spirit, that day is coming. In fact, it has come. It now is the time. And he's saying, I am, I am the temple. I am the one who will receive that honor. Do we guard that honor every day of worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ? I know we complain about not having joy. I know we complain about stress. I know we complain about depression. I know we complain about frustrations. I know we complain about things not working out. The Lord said, these are the things you shall do. Delight on the Sabbath rest. Come and worship me. I was reading C.S. Lewis. And uh, he was writing about worship. And you know what he said? I, the gist of it is that we are, we are most well behaved in the presence of God. That's what he was writing about. Right? If you're in the presence of God, you're best behaved in the presence of God because he is looking after you. 
I'm thinking about my kids. I think my kids are well-behaved when I'm around as a father. I think our kids are well-behaved or better-behaved when my wife as a mother is around. When they are in our presence, our kids are behaving better. And that's the picture that I see. That if we, all of us are in the presence of God, we are behaving as a child of God. Then are you in the presence of the Lord? Is there anything that we can substitute with the presence of God? That's something that is better in our life than the presence of God. Is there anything that would be better than the presence of God, that God is in our midst, that God is with us? Should we take that away and substitute with someone because there is something better? What would that be? I couldn't find anything better. I couldn't find anything better than the presence of God in my life. I could see my life spiraling down and going down in darkness and messing up all kinds of mistakes if he withdraw his presence from my life that I could see. So then why are we substituting God's presence with so many things. Materialistic pursuit. Materialistic goals. We have substituted climbing the ladder. Materialistic gain with the presence of God. And you ask me, Pastor, where are not people coming to church? Maybe my life is not contagious. My worship is not contagious. I'm not speaking the truth. I'm not giving judgments for justice and peace. I'm not caring the poor. I'm not compassionate. My life is not contagious. And people are not wanting to hang around with me. Love, truth, and peace. Therefore, says the Lord of hosts, in those days, ten men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard, we have heard that God is with you. There are more than a hundred people here sitting in this room. If our life is contagious, we can spread an epidemic of joy out there. We should be enough to do that. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. I'm also going to ask your heart to be ready for uh, communion. But this is what I want to say. Yes, they're coming up. We pray together on Thursday, 9 to 10. Every Thursday we pray for the church. Right? A group of us come together every Thursday morning to pray for the church. We strictly pray for church. If we have some time, we pray for our personal needs. But the goal is to come and pray for the church. In that conversation, one of the guys said, this is what he said, you know, every century or a couple of centuries, there is a wave of God's movement and revival 
and revolution happening in the Christian world. And maybe it's time that 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 wave starts again in this 21st century. And then he continued to say, if we are faithful, revival can happen at Santa Clara First Baptist Church. That we could be the one where the little flame ignites. Right? And then become a bigger flame. And that just struck me on Thursday morning. I'm like, wow. Imagine if we light the fuse at Santa Clara. A fuse of revival. And then it explodes in the world. And they found out who light that light. Who started the fire. And they, they found that it was started in Santa Clara First Baptist Church. That would blow me away. That will blow me away. Literally. Right? And the Holy Spirit, the power is called uh, dunamite. That's the word dynamite came from. I want the dunamite of the numa in our church. That we start a revival. And then another one came to me and said, Pastor, I felt like I can sense a flicker of flame in our church now. I feel that there is a small flicker of flame and we should make it bigger. And those small figure of flame is you and I. Is you and I. In the Pitas, Mountain View, Sunnyvale, San Jose, Santa Clara, Cupertino, Los Gatos, wherever you came from. If you, as a flicker of flame, go there, people are going to be drawn to you and say, where did you get that? Next time I want to go with you. And the other person will say, I found that. Come with me, I'll show you. Ten men to our sleeve wanting to come with us. I can dream, right? I can dream. I'm allowed to dream. 